0: Right into our uh, study that Pastor Mitchell's begun. And uh, we've been doing a study, if you're a visitor, on boundaries and landmarks in the Christian life. And uh, our <clears throat> our launching pad scripture is Proverbs 22, verse 28. I wonder if I could get Brian Simmons. You look like your bright-eyed and bushy-tailed this morning. And uh, Proverbs 22, 28 is our, uh, our keynote scripture. Uh, for this all important theme. Brother, a nice loud voice, uh, wake us up this morning. You have removed the ancient landmark which your fathers have said. Okay, let's re- get a quick review and lock our thoughts in. What are, uh, landmarks? What, what, what comes to your mind in a very, uh, ordinary, uh, course of uh, thought uh, when we say landmark? What, what do you think of when you think of a landmark? Anybody? Phil? Okay, what would you call that? Okay, landmark, another name. (laughs) There it is, a landmark. He gave the definition, in the back. A reference point, okay. And uh, this is a a marker, we could call it a marker on the landscape of life, that uh, really does serve two uh, critical uh functions for us one is for our safety and the other is for our success uh, if you're a farmer uh and you're wanting to um, uh to have success you need to know what land is yours and uh which uh, perimeters to move within uh to uh, plow uh, plant and so forth we've had a powerful uh, example of how uh, critical landmarks are, just in this past week, uh, the great tragedy that befell John F. Kennedy, Jr. And uh, all of us undoubtedly know the details. He went into the drink uh, when he was flying in conditions uh, where uh, began to obscure his ability to look on the horizon and to see landmarks that would keep him on a steady course and keep him on a level uh, a level plane. And so I had occasion this past week to listen to a radio talk uh, show and it was actually Rush Limbaugh and he uh, read 178 seconds to live. I don't know if you heard that, but it was a a powerful uh, description of what takes place uh, when a pilot loses his orientation, his spatial uh, orientation. Uh, He loses that. They've done studies where they put a hood over the glass. Uh, of the uh, of the uh, uh, planes, and then they just uh, they get you up there they, uh, in a in a test setting, and then they just time you uh, when when you don't know which way's up, you don't know if you're level, you don't know uh, 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 by any kind of markers, and uh, and uh, 178 seconds was the uh, average length of time before somebody would go into a death roll, and this is exactly what happened uh, to Mr. Kennedy. And uh, the tragic consequence of himself and his um, wife and sister-in-law dying. And so uh, we can transfer this into a spiritual uh, setting and a spiritual application. The Christian life really does have a number of key boundaries that are placed by God. And if you neglect or you miss those boundaries or those landmarks, you also will go into a spiritual spiral. And unfortunately, just as real as the uh, tragic death of uh, John F. Kennedy, so I have observed, I'm sure you're acquainted with uh, numerous cases of people that neglected the landmarks. They neglected the boundaries that God has set for us in the Christian life. They overstepped. One of the uh, words that that, uh, refers to uh, sin in the Scriptures called trespassing. That means to step over the appointed line over the appointed boundary, uh, and that's what happens every time we transgress, uh, God's markers. And so, uh, I just, um, uh, want to give you an illustration because I believe that, uh, that God has put in us, both in a physical sense, and when you're born again, in a spiritual sense, an instinctive, uh, feel or an instinctive, um, uh, reaction to boundaries. I, uh, ministered there in the Philippines, and uh, we took a day of R and R. Went across the uh, the Davao Bay uh, to a place called Paradise Island. And it was a little uh, it was a little place that they had set up a bunch of picnic tables, and they had uh, built a couple of jetties or piers out into the uh, out into the ocean. And across the end of this, they put uh, they fastened together some bamboo poles, and that created a nice little swim area. And these bamboo poles, I'd say, were probably about, oh, maybe about 20, 30 yards offshore. And so I had my young son, uh, Greg, with me, and he was on a, uh, uh, he was on an inner tube. And so we were out swimming, and, and we had some masks and some beautiful um, coral and uh, tropical fish were there. And so the best uh, place to see that and the best coral was just beyond where this boundary was. And as a young boy, uh, he's probably about... Uh, Oh, I'd say four years old. He was, he was hunkered down on this inner tube. And so everything was fine. He's loving it. Had a great time. And we brought him right to the, uh, to the border. Everything's fine. He's within the, the boundaries. Everything's fine. And then, uh, I noted a remarkable transformation when I lifted up the, uh, the boundary and I began to push his, uh, uh, him and his floats underneath that uh, boundary. I want to tell you, he, he grabbed me with a death grip. Nobody, uh, uh, you know, nobody had to uh, t- teach him this. Nobody, ha- he, he just, something instinctive went off. An alarm bell went off. Uh-oh, we're going into uncharted waters. And there's an instinctive uh, response that God has placed in us uh, that uh, we're very comfortable, we're very secure. As long as we're within the boundaries, uh, uh, there's a sense of, um, of security, there's a sense of safety. But you cross those boundaries, and we get, you know, we're adults and we get pretty adept at how to uh, put on a good face. But I'm going to tell you, nonetheless, you cross the spiritual boundaries that you know full well God has placed, and I'm going to say, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to uh, tell you uh, straight out that is that you begin to f- feel that same sense of panic, uh, and you may mask it, you may, uh, you may submerge it, ignore it, whatever, but uh, it's still there, and uh, you know it. And God knows it. So this morning we're going to uh, continue on. And I want to take up one of the um, uh, landmarks that is absolutely crucial in your Christian life. I want to deal with that of authority or headship and its place and role in the Christian's life. And we could uh, we could go off into a number of different areas um, in terms of uh, parental authority and, and other forms of authority, but I want to um, restrict our attention this morning to that of a spiritual uh, leader or a pastor. So let's let's just uh, stir our thoughts this morning. What are some other synonyms or names that we find in the Scripture for pastor? Does anybody? I want to venture. What are some of the other uh, descriptive um, expressions or names for pastor? Carol? Shepherd. Okay. Shepherd, overseer. Bishop, Bishop messenger. Uh, okay. Brother? The elder. Okay. Anybody else in the back? Okay. Okay. Uh, that would be an Old Testament concept, I suppose. Uh, but uh, the, definitely the thoughts there. Uh, There's also, Paul speaks about having 10,000 instructors, but one father. Okay, and again, we uh, are talking about, uh, in a spiritual sense, uh, about this. Okay, and so all of those um, uh, names that have just been mentioned, bishop, uh, teacher, we could also add preacher, uh, shepherd. Actually, you need to know this if you're new to the faith. The word pastor literally means shepherd, okay? It means shepherd, and so all of these are expressions of the important role that a pastor or a spiritual leader is to play in the believer's life. And let's cut to the mustard right now, okay? Let's get right to the chase right now, and I uh, need to impress upon uh, our thoughts this morning that without a shepherd, without a pastor... that that has been uh, raised up by God, that is able to uh, know us, is able to preach to us, is able to correct us, is able to use the shepherd's staff uh, uh, to bunk us on the head sometimes. Uh, Without that, uh, you can say all you want to say, but there's not going to be real fruit and lasting impact in our lives and fruit and certainly not in a group... um, Expression and there will not be a continuity of growth in that person's life. Yeah, you may, you may be the oddball floating kidney that somehow, you know, you're the thief on the cross and you, you gasp out a prayer of repentance in the last breath and you make it to heaven. But I'll guarantee you this, you will not bring fruit with you and you will not bring a, a, a lasting impact for the kingdom of God unless you learn to come under uh, a spiritual uh a spiritual authority. Okay, let's get some scriptures to uh stir our thoughts. Matthew chapter nine verse thirty six. If I could get some quick volunteers. Brother Nick, Matthew nine, thirty six and thirty eight. Pete, would you get for me John chapter twenty one, fifteen through seventeen? I need Titus one five. Uh Brian's gonna get that. Acts fourteen twenty three. And, Brother Noel, if you get that... Okay, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. And I want you to, uh, to um, uh, open your heart to the Word of God. Uh, this is a crucial issue in every Christian's life. And, uh, and so hear what the Word of God speaks. This is quite clearly uh, connecting the fact that sheep uh, are creatures that absolutely have to have somebody that watches over them. Helps them, protects them. We'll go into other uh, aspects of the shepherd's ministry, and then he—you uh, can hear the uh, the cry of the Savior's heart—is that uh, that we would uh, feel the need, we would see the need, enter into prayer, and seek uh, God to raise up even supernaturally that He will send forth laborers. That word means that He will compel them or He will propel laborers into His harvest to fill. That role, John twenty one verse fifteen through seventeen. Let's get the Savior's heartbeat. There's no wasted space in the record of Scripture. Here's one of the uh, last audiences that Jesus has on the earth with Peter. Uh, He's leaning on. He says, "Man, don't go back to the uh, uh, secular occupations of uh, uh, being a, a, a fisherman." uh and uh and don't um, get diverted if you do love me uh, I've called you I told you to follow me I'll make you a fisherman and I want you to um express that love uh and feel that 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 great need feed my lambs and feed my sheep this is something the savior very much uh is um uh concerned to see raised up at individuals that will express Uh, their love to obey that call. Okay, without God raised up uh, shepherds, there would be no New Testament church. Remember, church means assembly. The word church uh, literally means the assembly. Those that have been summoned to gather, those that have been called out of the the crowds of humanity to gather around uh, the will of God, the Word of God, and to hear, uh, God's Word proclaimed by a Herald. Okay, Titus chapter 1 verse 5, uh, we see this, uh, throughout the New Testament. Okay, uh, so here's Paul, he's very concerned. We're not just on a, um, an evangelistic, um, uh, barrage running through the, um, countryside and throwing like Johnny Appleseed, uh, throwing seeds and just phew, taking off. Because unless there is somebody that is able to come and begin to give some guidance, begin to give some direction and uh, feed some good, uh, healthy spiritual food, uh, all of it will be dissipated. Without the uh, shepherd, the sheep are scattered. Okay, Acts chapter 14, verse 23. Every church, okay? Every church is to have uh, those that are involved in In a leadership ministry, in this case it was called the elders, which is a synonym, could be interchanged with the word uh, pastors. Okay, I want to home in on what God uh, directs our attitude and our response to be to those that He sets over us uh, in the ministry. Hebrews 13, verse 7, and um, if we could all turn there. Turn with me in this this, uh, very important passage from the Word of God. And we're going to find out that in this chapter, there's three times the Lord uses the expression, uh, they that have the rule over you. And so uh, the first uh, time is in verse 7. It says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken to you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their uh, conversation or their lifestyle." Okay, and so, real quick, from that passage of Scripture, we uh, want to do a little Bible interpretation. Who's it talking about? Who are those that have the rule uh, over us? Okay, who? There's two people know in this room. Eh? Either, uh, either we're, uh, we don't, we don't want to know this answer, or we're just uh, day-tripping. Okay, Pete? Okay, and so uh, Pete has um, uh, rightly discerned uh, that it's talking about those that not only speak the word to us but also those that uh, that uh, speak the word but those that walk in the Christian uh, responsibility or the Christian way uh, that that calling uh, puts a responsibility upon them to walk. Okay, and so uh, this has to be and, and, and surely is uh, talking about preachers and pastors. Anyone want to dispute that? <laughs> I'll meet you outside. <laughs> no. So, any, anybody, uh, you know, have a, uh, you know, is this talking about a Martian from space. No, this is talking about those that have uh, spiritual authority and spiritual responsibility uh, to to lead us in the Christian faith. Okay, and so it's very interesting uh, the shades of meaning when it says remember them. Now, again, the Word of God does not uh, just you know, uh, just toss words out. The Word of God says something. You've got to know that God's always going someplace, and He always has a meaning or a reason why He puts that in. Can anybody, for example, uh, you know, uh, think of a reason why the Scripture would have to lay that down? Why the Scripture would have to uh, make that declaration? Now, here's a dear saint that's been down the path for a while, and, uh, and uh, she uh, brings some observation to us that uh, that's, uh, the reason that this is being said uh, is because it's very easy to um, be neglectful. It's very easy to be unmindful. It's very easy to become very casual, and we're going to deal with that. Sister, do you had something? Okay. And uh, anybody that knows about sheep know that there's a an inbred curiosity, and uh, and it's uh, they're not that bright. Uh, there's a lot of problems that sheep have left to them their own ends and own selves. Okay, it's interesting that this word "remember" uh, literally means uh, there's three aspects I want to bring out. First off, it means to be mindful of, okay, which deals with. Respect. And we'll get back to that in just a moment. Secondly, it deals with to make mention of. So when it says, remember those that have the rule, it also is, is has a flavor of meaning to make mention of them. Okay? Sister talked about how it's uh, very easy to, to look at a pastor and say, Oh, he's special. He's a, in an elevated spiritual plane. He doesn't need prayer. Uh, so when it says to make mention of your pastor or those that have the rule over you, uh, it's not talking about having fried preacher for Sunday lunch. <laughs> can I give you a tip? Uh, pastors know who talks bad about them. You Want to know how? Because I can tell when the kids go by. The kids that uh, that have a very warm kind of a uh, response to the pastors, uh, you just, it's just, you'd have to be a pastor. Uh, there's a dynamic there, and it, it reflects down. And the parents can be just as all sweet and everything and, and syrupy to you. But the kids, that's what I look at. Amen. And uh, you will know. Okay. And so, it says to make mention of them. This deals with uh, praying for them. And also, the word to remember means to rehearse. To rehearse. And this has to do with uh, uh, those words that you've heard Him say, those words that have been preached uh, in the course of any uh, ordinary week, those words ought to be called to remembrance. Not only should you respect Him and pray for Him, but you also should have a, uh, an inner conversation or an inner uh, playback where you uh, kind of chew over what he has said, because after all, God's—you uh, know—what good's it going to do if you just come to church, you hear some words, and uh, they just are flushed, and as soon as you go out the door, that's not what God has intended for us. Now, all three of those aspects really are needed in the church today. We live in a day—I don't have to convince you of this—I'm sure we live in a day where uh, the respect. Uh, the 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 appreciation for spiritual authority, or actually any kind of authority, as, is at an all time low. We have uh, we have on our national landscape uh, leaders that have uh, they have not um, uh, been dignified in holding the highest offices of our land. Uh, any kind of a failure. Any kind of a scandal is taken, it's amplified, it's cast around the globe, it's dissected, analyzed. Everybody's got their nose in everybody else's closet in terms of um, uh, public scandals. But I also want to say, and and there's no excuse for that, but I also want to say uh, that you need to to, um, uh, smell the scent of uh, that old devil and his work to um, undermine. Because if the pastor... If the headship figure for your life is so important uh, in, in many, many different uh, terms, then, of course, the devil is going to put a big old uh, crosshair across that man's life. You remember the scripture? Uh, the shepherd shall be smitten and the sheep shall be scattered. Right? We know about the uh, scandals of, in our day in the 80s, some of the biggies, uh, uh, the big smiley faces on uh, television when they went down. There's no denying that hurt the church across the board. And, uh, and uh, that puts in thoughts in people's minds. And, uh, and the ones that get the big publicity, the devil begins to come to you and say, Well, you know what? They're just men. And, uh, and it gets into a lot of other things that begins to cause us to uh, back off or begins to cause us to, uh, to um, uh, devalue ministry. Brother Jeff? Definitely, and so there are those that have ulterior motives, agendas, uh, ungodly people uh, that uh, have no interest in people being influenced. Uh, They want to do everything they can to trash that which is holy, that which is sacred, and so they can't hit God. uh, When the heathen get mad at God, they throw rocks at the temple. They don't throw rocks up at the clouds, they throw rocks at the temple. And so God's messenger is the one that catches the arrows... And so, uh, yes, uh, we're not going to excuse in any way those that uh, fail to hold their calling. Uh, you know, reality of life is, is there have been those that have fallen. But they also, uh, doesn't just because there have been those that follow, uh, falled, uh, have fallen, that doesn't mean that, uh, uh, that God's word is to be cast off to the side. Amen? You know, I'll give you this. So one-third of the angels fell. Does that mean God's not uh, God? Well, one-third of the angels aren't following Him. I guess we all can just uh, bail out. Well, if you do, there will be a place where you can bail too. Right? And so, uh, and so uh, the issue is is that, uh, that just because you, you might have uh, those that um, don't hold their calling, that in no, in no way uh, negates the valid. The counterfeit does not negate the valid okay and we live in an entertainment um, addicted society uh that feeds on scandal and feeds on sewer it feeds on uh innuendos and this is part of the uh uh the spiritual climate of our day and uh, and defilement and you can you know just think about it we are defiled when 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 uh when isaiah saw god lifted up on high uh what's the first thing he said oh my god i'm dead you know why he said, and this is a prophet, this is a already known God, prophesied. You know why he said, I'm dead? He said, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst an unclean people. And, and brother, he said a mouthful right there. We, you know, we can't even gauge all of the, the foul. Uh, it's like uh, uh, we walk around today and we're breathing air. Uh, it's full of uh, pollution. Air's full of pollution. You want, go back a thousand years uh, ago, they didn't have all the lead in the air and all the smut and all the uh, uh, smog and everything. They didn't have all that up there in the air. And But we don't even think about it. We don't think about it. But you see, uh, it, it, it has uh, an effect upon us and we need God's help for it. Okay, Bear Montgomery had uh, input. Yes, and that's just good... The Bible uh, exposition is to always look in a context, and uh, and, and so many times we hear Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, uh, and forever, and uh, we quote that scripture and we you know we use that, but it is in a context and he is uh, giving us a a theme there, and so that's very uh, a good input. Okay, what's uh, what I want to just uh, uh, speak to or address. Is, um, uh, okay, for example, the devil doesn't get you to, uh, to, uh, uh, to hate the preacher or to, uh, to, uh, to be a, an out and out rebel. There's another strategy that hell uses quite effectively, and that is to get the, uh, mentality in people that the preacher is just a good old boy. You know, he just tells some good stories, he's just a good old boy. You know what, a backslap. you know what, I took the preacher fishing one time. He's a good fishing buddy of mine. And so what can happen is on, uh, you know, you're always having to deal with balance in life. We know the, uh, the, uh, the truth that preachers have their feet on the ground, right? We know the truth that preachers have to get up and comb their hair and brush their teeth. They're human, they're part of the human race, Right? We know the truth uh, that uh, preachers can't live in the, uh, uh, you know, up in the ivory tower someplace. They need to be down amongst the folks and, and rub shoulders, you know, in, in life and in reality. But on the other hand, there is a uh, degrading, you could say, where uh, if you just look at the preacher as a good old boy, one of the good old boys in the club, or uh, a fishing buddy, or he's just, uh, you know, he's just a, he's a comedian or he's somebody that's just, you know, just another man, I want to tell you there'll be um, uh, two victories that the, uh, in your life. One, when the preacher is on a drilling mission and he's drilling right between your eyes. Okay? Then you'll have the tendency to say... <laughs> Isn't that cute? He's just coming down here. Oh, you know what? I really like the preacher when he gets all wound up. His veins pop out. He spits to the fifth roll, and uh, and you know, I, I, you know, man, that guy can t- he can sp- spit out more words without taking a breath than anybody I know. And you know what? Uh, you can totally miss the fact that it is God's messenger coming at you with God's message for your life. For this moment, uh, and God is saying, thus saith the Lord. See, we want on one hand uh, to be approachable, but on the other hand, it's a cheesy situation. And it's a cheesy day in the church where you lose respect or, dare I use the word, reverence. Okay? And it does amaze me sometimes the language that's used around uh, preachers. You know uh, you know is that uh, you know we have some language uh, that's creeped into the uh, common uh, vernacular that in my day when I was coming up if you said that word mom put a bar of soap down your throat or uh, or uh, you know the if the if you don't have the proper uh, attitude and respect what can happen is you uh, will not receive Uh, you will not receive when God speaks to you. If if you're on too familiar or too friendly a basis, it's very difficult when the preacher has to get down, chop wood, drill between the eyes, rebuke, admonish, correct, uh, whatever. It's coming down. Do you know sometimes the shepherd's got a rod and he has to use that sometimes? Can we we agree upon that this morning? Is that there are times... When uh, it takes a good uh, tomahawk To uh, righten the, the, uh, the course that's gone off course And sometimes we need a, a man of God That says, I'm not, I'm not aiming People say, were well, you preaching at me? Well, you know, I don't sit around Or I'm, I don't believe Pastor Mitchell sits around And thinks, now how can I get Brian and Valerie? How can I get them? How can I get them? How can I get them? Oh God, just give me an inspiration I can get them Okay, on the one hand On the other hand I don't want to preach in such vague generalities that you say uh, that you know that, that you say well, where was he going? What, what was the purpose of that? And I got a new I got news for you. I don't aim at the uh, fluorescent light bulbs. <laughs> and so if the shoe fits, dear, then put it on. <laughs> it's wonderful. If God smacks you upside the head. And you don't think you need it? Then you ought to read uh, Hebrews chapter 12 because it says, if you don't ever have any chastening, and you know, that's, that, we all, oh, yeah, God's going to uh, spank us. Well, how do you think God usually spanks us? He spanks us when the Word of God comes across and says, You know what, that's a foul attitude uh, uh, to do that or to have that attitude towards your wife, mister, uh, and, uh, and to, uh, to act that way is an unchristian way. And you feel, man alive, I'm in the hot seat. And, uh, and that's how God begins to put some pressure until um, uh, we relent or repent and come down and get it right with God. Amen. It's a wonderful thing to come to a church Where somebody doesn't mince uh, words and preaches straight so you know that you've been hit when you've been hit. Okay? And you come to the altar, you can say, my God, have mercy upon me. I have fallen short uh, in this area of my life. God, I don't want the crooked way in my life. I want to get it straight. I want it smoothed out in my life. God help me. Uh, and you know, when we respond to the Spirit of God that speaks to the oracle of God, uh, God does a work. He honors that and He begins to change and transform us, uh, which is a wonderful thing to come to a church uh, where you can uh, uh, pretty well assure within the course of a week's time, you're going to be... Uh, I dealt with in a number of areas, a number of fronts. Is that right? I went to the Catholic Church for 19 years. I never felt convicted. I never changed. They gave me all kinds of religious pap and greasy uh, sacramental uh, nonsense that never touched me, never touched my inner man, never even woke up my inner man, let alone uh caused me to to repent and get my right, my life straightened out with God. And we going to thank God that there is uh, direct preaching. Amen. Now there's all kinds of people that hate direct preaching. They don't want to be uh, confronted. They don't want to have uh, the uh, spiritual light uh, switched on uh, and, uh, and, uh, and uncover the rats and the, and the cockroaches that are down inside the human heart. And the Bible tells us something, friend. We ought to, we ought to believe it. Not just nod our head piously or, or religiously, but we ought to believe it. The human heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Your heart is able to go on such a convoluted twisting of unrighteousness and nastiness, and only a miracle of God can straighten out the maze of all kinds of connivings and twistings and self-centeredness and self-love that's in our heart that's leading us to hell. And so the medicine of straight preaching that comes to the oracle of God is very, very critical. Let's get some scriptures uh, uh, very quickly. First Peter 4, verse 11. I could get some uh, help. Okay, Adam, first, uh, Peter 4:11. Matthew 28:18 through 20. Pete Baker. I need First Timothy 4:12 and 16. Adam scaring. And then I need uh, Ezekiel 33:30 30 through 32. Brian, and uh, Acts 13, 40, and 41. Okay, Don Galati, Hebrews 4, 1 and 2. Okay, no uh, tossing. Let's get these scriptures. Uh, and First uh, Peter four eleven. start right there. So right there is a powerful statement. It's talking about uh, preachers. If any preacher is going to stand... Let him speak as the oracles of God. I'm not here to uh, uh, stand, or Pastor Mitchell's not here to stand and entertain you. He's not here to give you a philosophy spin for the week. He's not here to give you a positive uh, pep talk and pump you up for the week. He's not here to do any of those things just to um, give you a, a religious massage. He is here to say, Thus saith the Lord. If any man speak, let him do it as the oracles of God. Now, there's... Uh, there's all all kinds of um, uh, significance there and that very interestingly uh, it ends it says um, to whom be praise uh, and dominion forever and ever now that's not just uh, fancy uh, words that are just uh, laced onto the back of that scripture this is how God's people, are um, uh, to be led, uh, to, brought to that place where you're rendering up praise to God, that which is pleasing, that which is um, acceptable to God, and also that which causes God to have dominion in your life. You don't uh, just naturally submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Is there anybody that naturally submits to Jesus as Lord? I, I, you know, I, I think you need to be raptured uh, in a pre rapture uh, uh, take up to the throne of grace. You don't naturally submit to Jesus Christ. You know how you submit to Jesus Christ? You learn it. You learn it. And it's just, just something, well, I just know that the Spirit will just lead me and eventually it will come into my mind and my heart. Because I have a good heart. No, you don't. But uh, uh, but uh, uh, it will just come into my heart and, and I'll just naturally begin to learn uh, what pleases the Lord and what um, uh, brings God's lordship L- listen to Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 through 20 okay that's good teaching them this is okay first off he leads off all power and authority in heaven and earth all the universe uh, resides in the hands of Jesus Christ therefore go okay this is full of meaning I'm backing you up on this uh, my will is plain on this this is my marching orders um, uh, to these preachers, these early apostles, um, uh, preachers that are being sent out. He said, now you go home, uh, you make disciples. This isn't going to just happen because some magical moment drops on you from heaven. This is going to happen because men of God stand, preach the will of God, bring a clarity uh, of God's purpose, and challenge you to get right, challenge you to yield uh, yourselves to the Lord, teaching them teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And so uh, this is not an easy task, let me tell you, because the church is a volunteer army. It's not uh, that you join the Marines and we get you and we buzz your head and we, uh, we uh, put you in boot camp and, and, and have you at our mercy uh, uh, 24-7. It's not that way. Okay, but there is a, a moral suasion and a spiritual influence that God has uh, committed Himself to back up His preachers as they uh, will stay in the ways of righteousness and uh, and preach uh, His Word. Okay, now First uh, Timothy chapter four and verse twelve. We're talking about boundaries and landmarks, and one of these that is crucial in the Christian life is that of headship. Or a spiritual leader that God gives. The church is not just scattered to the four winds and left to be uh, uh, to the prey of uh, spiritual predators, spiritual wolves in sheep's clothing, spiritual uh, deceivers, cunning, crafty people that make merchandise. Of the people of God. But God said, I'm going to uh, give them a, a protective covering. I'm going to give them uh, spiritual leaders that will be able to help and lead and protect them. Now, this is an awesome responsibility. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 and verse 16. Okay, so it's very clear uh, that a man of God is to uh, exemplify a number of different um, uh, attitudes in his own life. Exampleship uh, is to be there in his life. He's not to preach one thing and live another thing. He's not to preach about being sober and then down in Matt's uh, uh, cafe drinking with the boys. He's not to be preaching about uh, uh, holiness and then running around in the pig pen of sin. Uh, he is to be an example. And these are boundaries. This, this helps us to be able to line up and to see what a Christian is. I think. God. God, before I really submitted my life to Jesus Christ, uh, I counted the cost. And the way that I counted the cost was I looked at uh, Michelle Greeley, uh, Bill Coolidge. I looked at others that were there and uh, that uh, had been witnessing to me. And so when I made the jump into Christianity, it wasn't this greasy gray stuff. I understood I need to repent. One thing I did understand was that I need to leave the old life that I was uh, uh, involved in. And I needed to give my life to Jesus Christ and uh, allow uh, him to make me a new creation. Okay? Why? Did I just think of that in my own, uh, uh, I got twisted up like a pretzel on top of uh, Thumb Butte and began to howl at the moon and channel down some uh, some kind of a spiritual light into my being? No, because people were examples. Okay. And so uh, uh, he mentions this about taking heed to himself and to his doctrine, the teaching. Someone says doctrine doesn't matter. Well, the Bible says it matters. It says if you watch your doctrine and you teach the truth and stay in the, uh, uh, the boundaries of the truth, that then what will happen is that you'll save not only yourselves, but you'll save those uh, that hear you. Okay. And so in light of this, what we've seen so far... What is the responsibility of the people uh, in, the, in the pew or the people uh, that uh, fill the, uh, the chairs in the church? What, what, let's open that up real quick. We have a few minutes real quick. What would be the responsibility? Michelle? Okay. And so there ought to be... Uh, uh, there's no separating the messenger and the message. Uh, you know, there are those that want to. They, they want to say, do as I say, not as I do. But... Really, that's not how it works in life. It's, it's like the skit last night when the parents are going through their old uh, hope chest or their old uh, uh, storage chest in the attic. and They start pulling out uh, all the things that they did when they were teenagers. And then they try to hide it to their, their, their own teenagers. And their teenagers starts saying, hey, how come you tell us not to do that? But then you do it. And so that's just as plain as the nose on your face. Okay. And so uh, there is a responsibility... Uh, to, uh, to um, uh, uh, receive that message and uh, that, um, uh, that man's ministry to your life. Okay. And uh, this makes a lot of people nervous. I can feel it. Ezekiel 33 and verse um, uh, 30. Who did I give that to real loud? So if there's ever a description of America in the 19, late 90s, it's right there. Uh, we are we're religious people. Uh, many of our fellow uh, countrymen are in church as we, uh, as we speak this morning. And, uh, and here he describes, God says to the prophet, he says, you know what, I want to tell you, they're talking about you, one. Two, is that uh, they, they, uh, they find you very entertaining. They find your, uh, your messages uh, entertaining. It's very entertaining. They, they come to you just like uh, uh, someone goes to the opera or someone goes to hear uh, at some concert, to hear someone that's skilled in, um, in, uh, in a song, and they find it entertaining. But God says, don't be deceived just by the fact that people come. Uh, the real key is... Do they do it? And and in this case, in Israel's history, in a backslidden uh, condition, they become so familiar. They become so calloused. Uh, uh, yes, they were faithful to their rituals. Yes, they were faithful to their attendance uh, upon uh, uh, religious um, uh, ceremony. But they did not do it. And this this was really irritating to God. And uh, and this is something that ultimately uh, caused. Uh, judgment to fall. Because when God can't change you by His Word, there's other ways that have, have to be administered. Okay, Hebrews 4, verse 1 and 2. What we need to see is this can cause us to even lose uh, our, uh, our very destiny. We're about out of time. Hebrews 4, 1 and 2. Nice and loud. I, want, I need that verse of Scripture. Okay? And it did not profit... It could have led them into the promised land. It could have led them to heaven. It could have led them into their destiny. They could have been like Joshua and Caleb had uh, uh, been people of another spirit. But you see, they heard the word just like Joshua and Caleb did, but they did not mix it with faith. And so the Word of God is not uh, something to trifle with. It's not something that you just uh, say, well, we're just going to hear some kind of religious pep talk this morning. The Word of God ought to be attended to uh, from the uh, messenger. It ought to be attended to with an with a open heart that says, God, speak to me, and uh, Lord, I want to hear you. I want a rhema. A rhema is the Word of God uh, that is fitting for that point in time in your life that situation in your life if you'll have an ear to hear if you'll have a heart that is hungry for God blessed are those that are hunger and thirst after righteousness they shall be filled God will meet you and speak to you I want to close with this poem and um, and uh, just add to what Brother um, uh, Montgomery said you know Pastor Mitchell who is our senior pastor in this church if you're visiting he's ministering right now in Mexico in a healing crusade uh, for 30 years slugged it out huh and uh, uh, daily in prayer, uh, you know, uh, consistent lifestyle of righteousness, consistent lifestyle of uh, of uh, standing in the gap. He's not a hireling. He hasn't fled. Uh, when the wolves come, so to speak, he is a man of God that has stood uh, steadfast for 30 years. Okay? You know what? You could learn a lot. You say, well, you know what? I never had Pastor Mitchell over for lunch or he never invited me over for lunch and I don't know him. Well, you know what uh, the Bible tells you. You should uh, salute your uh, your pastors. You should know them, and uh, and you should, uh, in the sense that uh, that you can come to a church like this. You can observe ministry. There's much that is imparted over the pulpit. There's much that could be caught uh, by he that has a hungry heart in the prayer room, uh, on the plaza, on outreach, him. Uh, many things you could learn if you, had a, if you had a heart to do that. Okay, I want to close with this poem, and it goes like this. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely show the way. The eyes are better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but example is always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds, for to see the good in action is what everybody needs. I can soon learn how to do it if you let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lectures you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. For I may misunderstand you in the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. Why do you need a shepherd? Because you need to watch uh, and be able to be influenced by their example as well as their words. The Lord bless you We're out of time. We'll be dismissed to our morning worship service.